Well, welcome to the show, Paul George, Deacon Adam Cock in studio. It's Christmas version. I like the Christmas music. You like that? You That's chose traditional Catholic Christmas music, right? Very there. traditional. Yeah. Yeah. It sort of reminds me of O Come Emmanuel. It's the same melody, actually, if you listen closely. Yeah. I don't know music enough, but it could be the same chord yeah, it's structure. Not. It's, it's not. Not even close. No. No. Anyway, uh, great to be with you today, Deacon Adam. How are you? I'm great. How I mean, are you? It's rare that we do a Christmas show, the week of Christmas, but we just happen to be doing Here it. Here we are. And it's so cold. It's so cold. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's been like 80 degrees in December, so it's nice to have a little, uh, what the Cajuns would call a cool snap. Oh, this is a cool snap ball. You're right. Instead of a cold front, <clears throat> yeah, a cool snap. Yeah, it's fun. Um, I don't know, as your kids get older, if they start saying things a little differently, but my, my oldest son has always liked really cold weather. Mm-hmm. And so this year when he saw that it was going to be cold like it is right now, he says, oh, cold weather. And then he turns to me and says, well, I guess as a homeowner, that's not as fun because you got to worry about your pipes. Mm-hmm. But like for me, this is awesome. <laughs> yeah. Like, wow. Okay. He's yeah. growing up, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I love... I love Christmas. I mean, it's stressful. Um, holidays, you know, we all deal with different things, but you know, on the spiritual level, obviously it's a big deal. Big deal. Big deal. Big deal. You know, big deal. Um, so anyway, but it puts me in a good mood. Um, I could tell <clears throat> just good mood and all over the yeah, place. Yeah. I was doing some Christmas shopping in the grocery store Uh huh. and, uh, I saw a friend of mine who I hadn't seen in a while and, uh, I was just about to check out in the grocery store when my wife texts me some last minute items. And of course, my first reaction is like, I'm about to check out. Like, I don't really feel like winding my way through, back through the grocery store, getting these items. But, you know, trying mm-hmm. to be a good hubs, mm-hmm. right? Good hubs, yeah. Good hubs. Um, is that what the children say these days? I have no idea. Okay. <clears throat> I... Uh, Decided to do that. But the blessing in that is like I peek around the corner as I'm going and I see a friend of mine I hadn't seen in a while. He's on the phone. He does not see me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm going to sneak attack him. And so like I run with my buggy, like like really running, and like then let my buggy go. It's full of stuff. <laughs> and it crashes in his buggy. Oh he doesn't gosh. see it coming. Like he oh has no gosh. idea. Like he's on his phone, like busy talking to someone. And like it just bangs, and everybody looks, and and he's like, "What?" And he turns around like he's gonna get in a fight, and he sees me, and he's like, "You sucker!" And uh, before I knew it, he just like spontaneously grabs my buggy, leaves his, and takes off running through the grocery store. So I was like, "What do I do?" I had two bell peppers in my hands because we were making fajitas, of course, for the feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe. Yeah. Right? Yeah, big deal. It's a big deal. So anyway, so I take his buggy and start running after him, and he, like, loses me through the aisles. Like, he's got, like, (laughs) going on. So anyway, I finally, like, get close to him, and I threw a bell pepper and hit him, and it exploded. Oh, my goodness. I was excited for Christmas. I mean, that sounds like a movie. Yeah. So I pick up the exploded bell pepper, and I put it in in his bag, and he he had to pay (laughs) pay for it. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. But how many people can say that they had a baby right before Christmas? Yeah, we gave birth to a beautiful baby boy, little uh Stephen Christopher Conk. Mm-hmm. And uh we're all very excited. What a name. The yep. first martyr of the church. That's right. Just shy of nine pounds. Um healthy as can be. Everything went exactly as planned. <laughs> that's that's the hope, right? Every, yeah. every time. <laughs> that's so good. Yeah. 
Oh. Yeah, it is exciting. And, and well, okay, so we named him Stephen because uh, next week on the 26th, the day after Christmas on mm-hmm. Monday, mm-hmm. we're going to baptize him that evening on St. Stephen's Day. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty cool. So he'll be baptized on his. Uh, so we had one kid born in December, December 7th, our, our number five. So having a baby around Christmas was really cool. Stressful in a sense because your wife is obviously still recovering and mm-hmm. then, you know, the whole deal. But there's something beautiful about like an infant being in your home at Christmas. There's very, something very spiritual about it, right? But yours is like really cr- close to Christmas. I mean, this is like. Oh, yeah. Ours was like three weeks. This is like fresh. It's just like having Jesus. You know, just like having having Jesus. So Yeah. What well, is neat because we to prepare our home for Stephen is a lot like preparing our home and our hearts for the Lord. Right. right. There's a lot of parallels. So we made all those connections with the kids. Right. <clears throat> and they're great with kids. Uh, they're used to it. They're used to getting babies. And so um, anyway, yeah, the, the joy of a new baby certainly increases the joy of Christmas. So I'm looking forward to Christmas this Sunday. And baptizing him on the Monday. Wouldn't it be funny, like a practical joke to your kids? Um, like I love doing things that like practical jokes, particularly like to make my kids angry or yeah, something. Yeah, I noticed like that. that practical joke you pulled on us <clears throat> in the hospital with the baby. Yeah. Hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like if you like for Christmas morning, like the kids came down and they're like, there's no presents and they're like, What'd we get for Christmas? And it's just Steven, the baby, and be like, <laughs> Y'all get a baby. Yeah. You get to change his diaper. That's it. You, we we have a baby for Christmas. Yeah. You'd be disappointed. <laughs> so. Okay. Speaking of babies, um, have you seen this? What did you say? That is so interesting. Oh, for real though? Okay. So you usually do a have you seen, but I have one this, this week. Sounds so, great. So it's a, it's a have you seen and it's sort of a weird Catholic stuff combined. Whoa. You ready? I'm so ready. Okay. Um, so... Tradition, it's kind of cool, and speaking of babies and Christmas, so on December 24th um, is celebrated Christmas at Grecio. Have you heard of this? Christmas at Grecio? Grecio. Greece? Grecio. Christmas at Grecio. Okay. Have you ever heard of this? No. Okay. So I'm going to tell you. Okay. So if you haven't seen this. I have not. uh, Deacon Adam. Uh, so the story of Christmas at Grecio, a uh, better way to prepare for the arrival of the child, Christ child, um, than to take a brief journey to Grecio. I, and I could be pronouncing this wrong, but it's G-R-E-C-C-I-O. It's Italian. It's got to oh, be. Oh, Grecio. Grecio, mm-hmm. right? The spot in central Italy, there it is, where St. Francis of Assisi cr- created, he rebuilt the first Christmas crib in the year 1223. Uh-huh, uh-huh, okay. So we have these nativity scenes, right? Yeah. And Christmas cribs, whatever. Well, tradition holds that uh, St. Francis of Assisi was the first to sort of reconstruct the nativity scene, and he built a crib um, to like to prepare for Christmas. So... Francis, recalling a visit he had made years before to Bethlehem, resolved to create or recreate the manger that he had seen there. So he mm-hmm. recreated the scene, built it, and the ideal spot was a cave in nearby Grecio. Um, he would find a baby. We're not sure. It says if it was a live infant or a carved image of a baby. Um, and they celebrated. Uh, the friars began celebrating mass in the manger. So to prepare for Christmas. Francis uh, gave the sermon. 
Hmm. How cool is that? That is pretty neat. Yeah. A lot of people owe him money. Hmm. I mean, think about it. Every nativity set that's sold, they should give the Franciscans some royalties. Yeah, they should get the royalty on that. It could support their mission work. They're still around today. Oh, they're around. Yeah, the Franciscans. They're everywhere. I mean, All think right. about that. Like 1223, he did this, and the Franciscans was still around. This yeah, is 1,200 years after Jesus, right? Like, they're recreating this manger scene. Here's what's cool, like, on a spiritual level, like, yeah, recreating. But, you know, as, as Catholics, as Christians, like, art and physical things, beautiful things, like, we recreate those things to experience, like, the realness, right? Like, so if you go into a beautiful cathedral or church or, you know, St. Peter's or Sistine Chapel, like, art can transform the heart and the mind, right? The beauty of you can see the gospels come to life, the reality of the spiritual and the physical. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. And I've even heard, like, and even in my own life, but like, I've heard even more, like, you can retrain your mind with beautiful things to get rid of, like, maybe images and vices of looking at ugly or dirty or, you know, things by retraining your heart and mind to see beauty instead. Mm-hmm. Okay. So all this being said is like Francis recreates the scene uh, <clears throat> of the manger, Jesus born in a cave and nativity right there in Bethlehem. Um, and he says he stood before the manger overcome with love and filled with wonderful happiness. Like the emotions poured over him about the reality of Christ, the Christ child being there. I think, so Francis had this unique charism. He's also the one that innovated the uh, the way of the cross. As Christians were outlawed from the Holy Land, um, and Francis himself went to the Holy Land expecting to be martyred to negotiate with the Sultan that had exiled the Christians, ended up winning the Sultan over, and so to this day, that's why Franciscans run the Holy Land. But anyway, so since Christians couldn't go to the Holy Land, he innovated the way of the cross hmm. devotion, and I think it's connected to his his devotion to poverty. Because I mean, think about it: for a long time, if you wanted to see the way of the cross or see Bethlehem, you'd have to go on pilgrimage there and you'd have to pay for that. You have to find a way to do that, right? But to bring Bethlehem to us in a nativity scene, to bring the way of the cross to us with the stations of the cross makes these mysteries accessible to everyone, to the poor and rich alike, right? That you can gaze upon the Christ child at your local church Hmm. without paying any money to do so or going on a long, long trip to do so is took 1200 years to figure that one out you know like so we take that for granted like oh well yeah that makes sense but for 1200 years if you wanted to gaze upon the christ child you had to go to bethlehem right you see what i'm saying or if you wanted to walk the way of the cross you had to go to jerusalem Mm. so saint francis i think his commitment to poverty and to bringing the mysteries of the kingdom to the little ones Mm. it makes total sense why he would innovate this idea that we we bring bethlehem to our city we bring Jerusalem and the cross to our city, and so that we can gaze, like he said, overcome with emotion as if you were there. And right. that's the whole point. Recreating the gospel, recreating the life of Christ. Like now, like here we are in America, right? Like, you know, we haven't even been alive as a country very long, like compared right, right to even the Franciscans, much less like, you know, the history of Christ. You know, here we are carrying on these physical traditions in our churches and in our homes and our and our yards of nativity scenes and, and whatnot like like it's becoming alive like and the more the physical and the spiritual work together like it really does like 
move our hearts. Like we have a little nativity scene in our yard, right? It's just like, hey, Christmas. But like, you know, the morning of, of Christmas, maybe a weird tradition, I don't know. Like we do like a birthday cake for Jesus. Happy birthday because that was the day he was born. It's his born. birthday. That makes sense. It sounds weird maybe for some. But like it's just like, hey, just before we open up gifts, FYI, <laughs> right? Yeah. It, it is actually Jesus' birthday. Like this is what makes us Christian. And, uh, and then, you know, usually when the kids are small and, and we still have a, a little one in the house is, uh, um, putting the baby Jesus in, in the, mm-hmm. in the little manger in the house. It's just like th- this physical symbolism brings to life the reality of the spiritual of what really happened. Right. Yeah. And I think this is a beautiful gift from the Lord that we would, he made himself small enough to be a baby in the middle of nowhere in Bethlehem. Right. But he's now made himself even smaller to be a baby in the homes of families throughout the world where, um, you know, like these little traditions that every family has, God's part of those traditions. Jesus is part of your tradition with your family. You know what I mean? Like he's he's he, so humble. He better be. <laughs> I mean, we're trying really hard here. But he's so humble that he gladly shows up for your tradition, right? Like he gladly he's he gladly gives the grace mm. of his presence yeah. to your family in the way that the small way that y'all do it. Yeah. And he does that in every home. Yeah. Uh, all over the world for those who invite him in. And I mean the amazing humility of our God that he's willing to come into any home um that would accept them. Yeah, and and it's really just saying yes. We don't have to be super complicated. It's just like Jesus like hey like you're welcome in our home, you know, it's Christmas or whatever. You know, we don't have to over over complicate it. You know, the the beauty though, however, and I don't want <clears throat> to ever take this for granted, but I think a lot of times for Catholics like we can take a lot of things for granted of the church and the sacraments and the 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 physicalness of of the sacramental life. Like, you know, God becomes present through the sacraments, through through art, through adoration, through mass, like the physical and the spiritual work. And the, like we really have these visible signs of God's reality, right? Mm-hmm. Um, not only the sacraments, but sacramentals. And they all come to play to like make the faith life real and tangible. And, and like we often just take those sort of things for granted. And I remember like hearing um, this preacher who wasn't Catholic giving this talk, and it was a great talk, you know, like – super great about like following Jesus and the presence of God. And he, he just had a little candle on the table, you know, like where he was preaching from. And he's like, you know, this light represents Christ and you know, the light of Christ. And, and then he goes, you know, I was visiting the Holy land and I went to the church where, you know, uh, the first church that was built, the church of the Holy Sepulchre. And he goes in there, there's a light that's been lit, you know, since the first, mass that they ever said and that light represents christ and i'm thinking that candle is representing the reality that jesus is present in the tabernacle there right Mm -hmm. and and he he's trying to tie in like this this sacramental physical imagery and i'm like man dude you're so close (laughs) right like we but yet for catholics we take it such for granted you know the the reality of God's presence in so many things that we actually, we can go to mass or confession or 
you do these devotions and not even think about the true presence of Jesus, the reality of Christ in the world, in our life, in our heart, right? And that's yeah. the challenge this is Christmas is like, hey, let's grab hold of, of this because it's amazing. Well, there's there's two ways we get excited about being in somebody's presence, I think, naturally. So one is if they're a really important person. Like if, you know, the King of England walked in right now, uh, you and I would get pretty excited, I think. Or if, or if we were going to the... Uh, the grocery store you were at where you ran into your friend, mm -hmm. literally ran into them. Right. Um, you got excited because it's somebody important to you. It's a friend of yours. Yeah. Really. You got excited. You got so right. excited you didn't know what to do, so you just rammed them. Um, but anyway, we get excited by important people. But we also get excited by babies. You ever notice this? Yeah. Like as soon as people see a baby, they're like, oh. Yep. It's not business as usual when you yep. see a baby, especially a little tiny baby, right? And it's amazing that God... Um, Wanting to get us excited about his presence, wanting to get us paying attention to how he's present to us every moment in our life. There's two times a year where we focus on both of those things with him, that when he was a little baby, we focus on that so that we can welcome his company. Just be excited to be with him, right? And then on Holy Week, that baby becomes an adult and does the most important work ever done by anyone, saves us from our sins, and dies on the cross and, and raises from the dead so that we could follow him. So Christ comes to us as a baby and as King of Kings, Lord of Lords, as someone who wins the victory over sin and death. And twice a year, we, we kind of focus on each. And, um, and you're right. It's a very simple formula God uses every year to remind us that he's in our presence. He's in our life all the time, you know. Um, like today, he's just as present to me as he will be at Christmas in a couple of days. Hmm. But at Christmas in a couple of days, I get really excited about it because we're talking about him as a baby, you know? Yeah. It's interesting. But the incarnation is happening all the time, year-round. It's Christmas year-round, man. All yeah. the time. Yeah, it really is. I mean, and here's the thing. In this segment, we'll take a quick break. But the reality is, you know, a couple of shows ago, we talked about, like, preparing the manger of our heart. Right? Like, the spiritual preparing Jesus to live in our heart through Advent. And then here we are at Christmas where we place Jesus on the manger. Okay. Like, so like we're here and the reality is like, that's not a one-time thing is when we place Jesus in our heart in the manger of our heart and he lives there, the challenge at Christmas is he needs to stay there. Like Jesus mm -hmm. needs to live in our heart and reign in our heart forever. Like always like keeping him at the center of our very existence. Yes. Not easy, certainly difficult. And, and, we're constantly like trying to, you know, navigate through life and, and praying with that and, and all the, all the things, but, but Jesus desires to live in the midst of that. Right. Mm -hmm. Like he, he's, he came into a, a manger scene that was messy. So they didn't have a perfect place. Right. Mm -hmm. Our hearts are not perfect. They never will be. And, but Jesus still longs to reign and live and reside in there and at Christmas, just invite him in and then let him reign. Like, let him live there, even in your chaos and mess, and let him just kind of grow up in your heart and begin to, like, recreate your heart and restructure it and rebuild it and clean it up for you, right? Like, that's mm -hmm. what the God of the universe wants to do in our life. And so we just let Jesus grow inside of us instead of sort of this idea that he's on, on the outside looking in. Yeah, last week at the hospital... Uh you know, we welcome a new baby. Lots of people saw that baby that day and reacted like we all think they should. Oh, what a 
beautiful baby or this and that, right? But only me and Marianne took the baby home. Hmm. And it's like that with the Lord, like you were just describing. We could we could react to Jesus at Christmas in such a way that everybody should, but December 26th, we need to take him home, right? Like <laughs> taking a baby home, there's much, it's much more of a profound moment. This baby is now my baby. This baby is now in my life. This baby now requires things of me. And that's the invitation of Christmas is that it's not just a, we don't just visit the baby for a day and then leave. Like we have to take Jesus home with us and take care of it and take care of him. All right. Awesome. Okay. Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. Healthcare that works better and costs less seems like an oxymoron, right? Take a minute and check out our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare. Members say that faith-based health sharing is a much better fit than insurance, all while costing less. Prices start at $384 a month for families. Call now to see how much you can save. 844-387-8533. That's 844-387-8533. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you, Paul George, Deacon Adam Honk in studio, Christmas, hey. Christmas edition 2022. Hey. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I know what you're saying. Yeah. Great to be with you. Um, busy. You've had a busy, busy time. I mean, uh, in a school semester and then had a baby and, you know, you even missed a grit group because of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, how mm-hmm. disappointing. <laughs> yeah, it was disappointing. Yeah. But you know that's that's how life is, I guess. Yeah, it's a big big time of year for all of us. But uh, you're right; it has been kind of nuts. All right. So, what's your favorite, or one of your favorite Christmas traditions that either you just love or y'all do as a family? Well, you said uh, you'll have a cake and you sing. You do a cake, or you just sing Happy Birthday to Jesus? You no, we usually do a cake. Okay, yeah. nice. That's yeah. neat. Now that that completely, you know, my wife doesn't like I. <laughs> so like if she she forgets I I forget you know like but that yeah. makes sense well yeah, we yeah. do something similar but not with the cake we we wrap the baby Jesus that we're gonna put in the manger uh, in a box and it's the first gift we open and then when we open the gift <laughs> and see Jesus we sing Happy Birthday to and him. there's dollar bills in there wouldn't no. that be funny <laughs> like the <laughs> in the manger is just a bunch of hundred dollars. Yeah, it's like baby Jesus, and then just dollar bills, kids. Oh my god! You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. One of my one of my older kids was like, you know, like uh, last year, like the stockings were sort of really disappointing. You know what was mm-hmm. in there? You know, and I think when the kids are small, <laughs> like you could just stuff stockings with like little toys and candy, and they think it's like amazing, right? Yeah. Whereas your kids get older, like. Yeah, what's like a Hershey kiss and a, you know, some gum and fruit, you know, like, <laughs> so like as they get older, and I was like, well, here's what I'm going to do this year, bud. Um, I'm going to, um, why don't I just, like all the money I spent on like your car and insurance and <laughs> and food and college, I'm just going to take that cash and shove it in your stocking. <laughs> and then you'll see how much you got for Christmas. And he's like, that's a good point. I, said, I didn't think of it that way. I, I didn't even think of it that way, man. Maybe I'll be appreciative of the fruit in my stocking this year. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, 
That's good stuff. Now, but, as you get older and your kids are older, um, money doesn't go as far. Like when they're kids, you can buy like 10 gifts for a hundred bucks, right? Mm -hmm. You know, a hundred bucks doesn't go far. It's like one outfit, you know, for an older kid. Right. You see what I'm saying? Like, but what's their tradition back to you now? Is that starting? Because, like, for example, my we have a tradition of like getting gifts for my dad, for my right. mom. Yeah, yeah. Is that kind of starting? Yeah. So the all the kids they they do they pick names between siblings and all buy their own gifts for mm -hmm. each other. They draw names and then they usually I think they all come together and buy a gift for Gretchen and I. Like nice, you know. So yeah, it's kind of funny. Like now the the youngest five is kind of out of that loop but you know i guess as she gets older they'll, they'll loop her in but <laughs> they'll loop her in yeah can can we get you real for a sec sure my wife and i were discussing the other day how stressful uh all this gift giving stuff it is, is very yeah. and i've noticed like we're all just kind of okay with putting it on moms mm. as a society you know what i'm saying yeah and um yeah we, my wife and i had a good little chat about that mm -hmm. just seems not right. That's so interesting because we actually had the same conversation in our house. Oh boy, last week, and and it's sort of the same routine. Is like, I think mom kind of knows what the kids want or what they mm -hmm. need. You know, you know. So there's part that like mom is like, you know, more connected there, like, and that's a good thing. But so I just you know, Gretchen was stressed, and you know, all the gifts and kids and yeah, and I'm referring mainly to like extended family gifts, not so much the. And that too. In her family, yeah. And, and that too. Like it's on her, the list, mm -hmm. and she's got like her parents, my parents, and like, mm -hmm. so I just said, hey, like how can I help you? Or is there a list that you could give me and I'll I'll take care of those. And so like she happily uh, um, delegated. Did it work out? Did list. You now I did say, she's like, here, you can have all these, you know, names or whatever. And I said, okay, now, uh, you got to like really let go because mm -hmm. like I might buy some things for these people that you wouldn't have bought. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, so like, can you let go of like what I might give or buy from us? And she's like, she paused for a second, you know, like, <laughs> like what, like, what are you going to buy? I was like, no, I mean, it'll be a good gift. It'd probably just be different than what you would think about giving, you know? Mm -hmm. So she did, she let go and you know, I guess we'll find out what happens on Christmas. <laughs> I, I just wrote a note on every gift I bought. I was like, hey, the, if you really don't like this, just feel free to return it. Here's the gift receipt. Such a man. That's awesome. So, so here's the thought that counts. But <laughs> there was thought behind the gifts. I, yeah. But anyway, we had that same conversation because it just kind of it does add up. There's a lot. Well, and I think there is a, um, <clears throat> a Christian necessity to kind of think through why are we doing this. And if, you, if you're not a Christian, I mean, if you're a Christian in the – in the Christmas season, looking at the way the world does Christmas, there has to be a point of like, why are we even doing this? Why are we even doing it? Why are we even doing this? Because uh, there is a lot to this time of year that's not necessarily from a Christian origin, not anti-Christian, but not necessarily from a Christian origin. There's a lot of pressures. There's a lot of expectations. There's a lot of, um, and, I, and I would say particularly on women at this time, to perform, right? To do things a certain way. It's not necessarily of Christian origin, and uh, I don't know, I have a heart for, I guess, just seeing my wife go through labor and all that and have to worry about all these things. Um, I, I would love to have the conversation amongst Christians, like, why are we doing this to ourselves? Now, the part that is good, I think the generosity of gift-giving is a good thing, and, um, you know, 
having a, a culture or a traditions that call us all to be generous to each other is a good thing. Like to once a year, we, we think about how to be generous and, and, and celebrate uh, Christmas. But, you know, materialism and pressure... I don't know if that's a good thing. And the anxiety that that brings. There's a lot of stress around gift giving and like the money and finances. And, and like, we have to give ourselves permission to like, just be okay with like, like, like what if we just moved on from like giving gifts to certain family members or people and just say, Mm -hmm. Hey, I love you. Here's a card or whatever. Like, and I think a lot of people would be reciprocate that. Oh man, that's great. Like we don't have to buy gifts for each other. Like it's just stressful. We have our own immediate family and kids and, grandkids or whatever you know it's like when 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 does it end you mm-hmm. know and it's just getting it's just getting a lot you know so yeah. um then anyway um but i think we should go back to some fun traditions so i don't know if you've heard about this okay mm-hmm. here's a tradition in austria which i think would be fun to implement here to our kids as a practical joke okay <laughs> as a threat on Uh, of missing out on presents wasn't bad enough. Austrian kids who end up on Santa's naughty list. So here, like the tradition is what? Coal and... Yeah, gift or you get get coal if you're on the naughty list. Coal on the naughty list. Yeah, that's what Mm -hmm. it is. Also have to worry about Krampus. Have you ever heard of Krampus? I have heard of Krampus. (laughs) A Krampus is a horned, hairy beast that snatches misbehaving kids in his wicker basket. How horrifying is this to like a little kid? Serving as St. Nicholas's creepy enforcer. Wow. Yeah. Many towns in Austria, especially the Alpine villages, celebrate um, Krampusnach on December 5th when dozens of men dress as half-goat demon. Oh, my goodness. Demons parade through the streets, uh, brandishing sticks and terrorizing the kids. Um, (laughs) This is not... This is not ideal as Krampus. It's crazy that the day before things is when things get wild. Like December 5th is the day before December 6th, which is St. Nicholas's feast day. Right. And Austria is a Catholic place. So somehow this tradition of like, you know, looking very scary stuff happening the day before Mm -hmm. a Catholic feast. Yeah. It just happens. Like October 31st is the day before All Saints Day. Right. Um, It just seems to happen. I don't get the connection, but... It's just bizarre. So these so these men, grown men, mm-hmm. terrorize the children dressed like demons the day before St. Nicholas's Day. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if we're going to participate in that I one. could see you as a Krampus. Like, if you let your beard... <laughs> well, of course it sounds fun. <laughs> ...grew longer, you know. <clears throat> yeah, it's interesting. Like, I, I never got into the, the coal thing. Um, I just never seemed to work for kids, you know, like this fear-based, you know mentality of like you're not going to get any gifts you're going to get coal you know well not to get on too many soapboxes and to be honest i've been behaving myself this episode on all the soapboxes i could have got on yeah and i hope you can appreciate that i I am very proud of you but not to get on the soapbox here but i mean the whole point of giving a gift to each other on christmas is that we want to give jesus a gift and how did he tell us to give gifts to him is to be generous to each other right so whatever you do to the least of these you do to me like your 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 beautiful tradition of singing happy birthday to Jesus, blowing out a cake, and then doing presents. Right. That's what we do for, for people's birthdays in America, so that makes sense. Right. Then we give that person a gift. Now, how do you give Jesus a gift at Christmas? Mm-hmm. Whatever you do to the least of these, you do to me. Right. Right? So this, this connection of gift giving to give to the Lord Jesus is beautiful. But when we turn it into like 
an expectation to get a gift if you're well behaved and then you don't if you're not um, as a way of, I don't know, behavior training for children, it's kind of a different motivation. Mm-hmm. It's not the same. And I don't know if it's, I mean, it, it could be helpful, I guess, to train kids, but it's not the reason I give a gift at Christmas. I don't know. Boy, and here's my point. It's like, it, it's sort of like trying to, trying to teach your kids about Christ and Christian living by telling them if they don't behave right, they're going to hell. Mm-hmm. Sort of this fear-based Christianity, right? You're going to hell, like you make these decisions. And yeah, certainly like does hell exist? You know, does, is sin real, right? Yeah, obviously, like all those things. But like I've never seen um, this this fear-based mentality of, you know, this sort of Christian, you know, enslavement, right? Like work for people. It doesn't set them free to live life the way God created them to live, right? Because mm-hmm. there's constant like shame and guilt. What I've seen as a result of that is more people who live in this deep shame of their sin and they hold it in. They're not authentic or vulnerable. They, they're afraid to go to confession and, and, and move past it because they, <clears throat> they believe that they're bad. Shame tells you that you're a bad person, mm-hmm. that you're, 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 inherently bad and that's not the reality of the way god made us and so like you tie it into this whole idea of like hey if you're not good you're getting coal you know like that does kind of springboard from like some of these these this sort of old you know sort of ways of like making people behave in the christian life mm-hmm. right if you don't do this you're going to hell you're sin you know mm-hmm. and that's not catholic theology yes hell exists and you can't go to hell like we know that but like we're created good. That's Catholic theology. Like God made us good. God made us, you know, to to glorify Him and and in our very core, yeah. Or we have sinful nature, yeah. But we're good and created good. And the only thing that gets in the way of that is sin, right? So if we're if we're free to be who God created us to be, then we're we're exactly who He wants us to be. And the only thing in the way is sin, which is always something that hinders our freedom. Jesus talks about the slavery of sin. And this is exactly why we need Jesus to come on Christmas, is to set us free from our slavery to sin. Right. But freedom equals love for the human person. What sets us free is love. Love. Right. Christ's love for us, but our love for God and for neighbor, charity, literally sets us free. Um, so, for example... Behavior modification is not the same thing as freedom. Like if, if you train me, if you're my dad, Paul, I would love to be your kid. Actually, that's a good, it's a good thought experiment. Mm. Can you adopt me? Is it too late? Um, it would be awkward. Okay. Yeah. All right, but I'd love to be your kid anyway. Point being, if you taught me how to treat people right, how to be honest, how to be hardworking, all these things, um, those are all good things to teach me. But without the context of love then I'm not really free to do those things, you know? It's because I love my wife and my children that I work hard. It's because I love God that I'm going to work hard to build his kingdom. It's because of our love that frees us to live a full life. It's not just learning which behaviors I can do and which I can't. You see what I'm saying? It's falling in love. That's exactly it. That sets us free to live the life we're called to live. And this is like the imagery from the first segment of St. Francis building this tradition of you know, he built the manger, the first manger to replicate the manger scene in Bethlehem that he went and visited and saw, right, himself. Mm-hmm. And this spiritual reality, they had this movement in his life as they celebrated Mass at this manger seat, thinking about 
the the Christ-like child, baby Jesus, entering into his heart and life. As we talk about that reality of like the manger of our heart, like Jesus living in there forever, that the the truth is that like we fall in love with Jesus and mm-hmm. Jesus grows in our life. And the sin that we struggle with, like he begins to weed out. We don't have to live in this shame and guilt. You know, in our great group actually this morning we were talking about a talk from an exorcist that came up. So we were talking about spiritual warfare and the attacks of the, the enemy and Satan, like hell exists, like evil exists, right? And the exorcist um, made a couple of points, but w- one that really came out is that more powerful than an exorcism is the sacrament of confession. Mm-hmm. And it really hit me, like how, you know, we don't have to live in shame of like our sin, like confession wipes us away. And I remember a friend of mine who, who is sort of the co-exorcist, he's a lay person, but he goes with the exorcist of the diocese. And he was saying that like, before he goes to his exorcism, um, to an exorcism, he goes to confession. Cause if not, like he, there's been times where like the demon will name his sins out loud. Nice. Yeah. You like that? Yeah. Right. But like by just not living in the shame of like, yeah, I'm imperfect, I'm sinful, and I go to confession, it's wiped clean. Jesus begins to grow and more more in my heart. I'm in love with him, and that's the life and journey that we're all on. Well, and that is grace. I mean, grace is love of God and neighbor. Grace is God's help, his supernatural help for me to live as he created me to live, loving him, loving neighbor. And as grace increases, as St. Paul teaches, uh, where sin abounds, grace abounds more. And the real freedom from sin is that I love God and neighbor so much, I wouldn't even think about doing this, right? So freedom from sin is not, I've worked on myself so much in, in a given area that now I've, I've trained myself not to commit sin. That's not freedom just yet. Freedom right. is, I love God, and I've, I've been healed enough to love God and neighbor well that I wouldn't even think about doing this. It's very true. That is true freedom from sin. That's the freedom that that um, those in heaven have from sin. Hmm. They behold God directly. They've been healed completely. They they see neighbor for who they are. It's not that it's impossible to sin like God doesn't let people sin in heaven. Right. It's that how could we even think about that? Right. Because we see God for who he is. We see neighbor. And on earth, that freedom is offered to us through sanctifying grace, like you said in the sacrament of confession. As we continue to grow in that grace, that's our plan for greater freedom, to love God more deeply, to love neighbor better, to where we wouldn't even think about sinning. And so this all started with a conversation about coal for, for kids. But this, that's the whole point. The traditions we use in our home teach our kids something. Mm. Are we teaching our kids that love of God and neighbor is the path of true freedom, is the path that we all want to follow to grow deeper and deeper in love with God and neighbor, or are we teaching them something else by the traditions we use this time of year and any other time, you know? Mm. All those little lessons are important. They really are. Yeah, and we don't have to make them complicated. We just have to place, look, you can do gifts and presents and whatever, but you know what makes all the difference is you just make Jesus the center of it. Exactly. Just make Jesus the focus of it. Yep, and then like like that's where he longs to live. He he wants to live in in the middle of your home, in the middle of your present giving, in the middle of your traditions. You, you don't have to make it complicated or or like weird. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's just normal. Like Jesus well, lives right. in this in my heart, 
and in the manger and in Christmas for us. Well, and, the, and we started with St. Francis and in his first nativity scene, it was in his poverty, it was simple enough to not bring anxiety to people present. It only brought peace and joy. This has to be our Christmas traditions. It has to be simple enough to where none of us are getting anxious and worried about it and becoming uh, more like Scrooge McDuck hmm. than, than St. Francis. Christmas Agrezio. Yeah, go to Christmas Agrezio. Mm-hmm. Christmas at the cave. Build a manger in your home and, and, and make it about your heart. Yes. Right? How do we love Jesus in our tradition, how we love each other? It's simple. Simple. All right, let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Paying too much for health care and supporting services you don't believe in? Our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare, has prices that are 60% less than the nation's average cost of health care. Join the nation's leading health care sharing ministry built by people of faith for people of faith. Saving money through ethical and affordable health care. Call now to see how much you can save at 844-387-8533. That's Solidarity HealthShare, 844-387-8533. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you. Paul George, Deacon Adam Conk in studio. Man, we just went on some Christmas ranting. We're all over. You know? My apologies. It's the only show that you can talk about the tradition of Grezio <laughs> and and coal and crump the crumpets. What was it? The 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 tradition in Austria? Oh, uh Krampus? Or? Yeah, the Krampus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just, That's horrifying. It's horrifying. <laughs> But you know what, kid? A little, I am going to do it. A little demon is coming after you if you're not good this year. Wow. Yeah. Well, I, bet, I guess that's closer to the truth than the coal. Yeah. So if you don't behave well, demons might yeah. become your friends. Yeah. I, I mean, I, w- I wonder if kids in Austria behave much better because of that. Man, I know I would try. I wouldn't sleep. <laughs> I know that, you know. Ooh, yeah. I, I wouldn't sleep. Okay, so uh, do you want to do a six-pack of Christmas questions? Question. Do you? I do want to do a six-pack, but, but I, want, I want this little... All right, so... I love it. <laughs> Look at you. Paul George. Yes. Question number one. Um, we talked about St. Francis and the Christmas scene just kind of overwhelming him. Have you ever been overwhelmed Grazie. at a nativity scene or a Christmas scene? You ever had like a moment? You know, the way I relate to it the most is, and I've been talking about this a lot, and in our grit group, we've been doing uh, what we call Visio Divina. So for some of our scriptures... There's Lexio Divina and then Visio Divina, visualizing the passage in the scripture and using art to like recreate the image of the gospel reading, right? Okay, all that being said, like this is what St. Francis did with, with the manger scene. But I can tell you, like when I went into the Sistine Chapel and all the art, you know, recreating the gospels and the life and the history and the Old Testament, you all coming together, I was completely overwhelmed mm. with the presence of God. 
That's awesome. Yeah. It was it could be like being at the manger scene with Christ. Like it was just like so real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, question number two. Um, so you told us that you got into the gift giving a little bit in your family this mm-hmm. year. And I'm done. And you're done. So can you walk me through the process of how Paul George thinks about the right gift for the right person? Very practical. I bet. I'm a very share practical it. Please human. share. You know, one store, here's your gift. You know, like, I think you would like this. And if you don't, you can return it. <laughs> but, it, you know, like... It's gonna it's gonna work for you. It's gonna be cool, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But it's related to like what you like. So if you like certain things, or you you know, like for my dad, I know he likes the outdoors or fishing or something. I'm gonna get him something like related to like what he likes, not what I like. Ah, okay. Yeah. So you got to think. What do they like? What do they like? And like, <clears throat> I'm gonna get it within that range. And if and if I don't hit the mark, you can return it. I always just return it. Mm-hmm. It's the thought that counts. I like that. You know. All right, question number three. So uh, we talked about peace, anxiety, all these like issues around Christmas. So if someone needs to bring, like, let's dial this back a bit. We go way overboard. I mean, there's some folks that like really go into debt this time of year. There's some folks that mom is like dying from the stress of it all. Yeah. And you know know you got to dial it back a bit. Maybe it's a little late this year, but maybe looking ahead to next year. What's some suggestions on how to discern well kind of minimalizing the the stress of it all and focusing on the peace and the presence of Christ. Well, it's too late now. Yeah, it is. Is what I would say. But yeah. <laughs> what I would what I would say is this is and I think I'm doing this myself. Okay, so you bring up the question, but I've already actually been thinking about it is to sit down with Gretchen and just evaluate how did Christmas go? And like what what can we change for next year? And I think honestly, like you brought it up and, and in all seriousness, I think I need to be part of that conversation as, as the guy too, and not just keep putting it all on my wife mm-hmm. to figure it out every year and buy all the things and like deal with the stress. Like I need to enter into that with her, right? Mm-hmm. And we need to be a team with it, but also we need to be a team on deciding like what not to do, like what didn't work, like where can we not spend as much and stress out as much and, and we need to be in that together. And, you know, I've been challenged on the show to be better about that. Nice. All right, question number four. Um, we spoke about some kind of strange Christmas traditions, uh, including um, Krampus? Krampus? Yeah. Some kind of demon-like figure that mm-hmm. chases in Austria, children. Which I'd love to go to Austria. I've never been. On December 5th, apparently, that's the day to go. It would be like going to Mardi Gras here. Like, just, you would look at the tradition and be like, what? <laughs> yeah. Let's go to the per- Krampus parades. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, do you have any suggestions on, uh, let's say, we realize we've been teaching our kids wrongly. Like, a lot of parents, okay, I think I'm training my kids wrongly because they expect a lot of big things at Christmas. Gift giving isn't quite what it is. And we know that we need to kind of re-educate our children. What are some moments over the next few days where maybe we could take time to really teach kids about the meaning of it all. Maybe we're not used to doing that. We're dialing back, boys. Well, that and like just, here's why we do this. Here's why it's important. What are some moments over the next few days that most people are going to experience that are good teaching moments? Well, it's too late. Kids. However, you can evaluate for next year. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's not too late for Christmas to like, <clears throat> you know, just sing happy birthday, do a cake, do something. And maybe mm-hmm. it wasn't a part of what you've done. And the kids are like, wait, what did you just do? 
and you'd be like, no, we're just going to do this now, mm-hmm. you know, and then, and then you could circle back for next year. Here's the thing. Here's the beauty of Advent. Like, so when you circle back for next year, Christmas just doesn't happen overnight. Like Advent is this whole preparing and movement spiritually in our hearts for Christmas to receive Jesus in our heart, right? In the manger. And we've been talking about that. And so <clears throat> like a great time to like reboot new traditions is next year starting in Advent. Mm-hmm. Like do the Advent traditions and the calendar and the prayer. And then like let that be a conversation. It would be like, by the way, for Christmas, we're going to be doing this, this, and this. And just start like kind of folding it into the normalcy of your your life. Yeah. All right, question number five. We're talking about bringing Christ home into the manger of your heart and just letting him be there. And, uh, you know, there's some folks, listen, um, maybe last year they had people at Christmas that they're not going to have this year because someone passed away. Or mm. last year they were, you know, the marriage was great, and this year it's, it's really difficult. You know, maybe last... You know, just... For whatever reason, this particular Christmas is hard, mm. right? And how do, how do you let God into the hard stuff? Like, how does people actually let Him into those difficult aspects of this time of year? Mm. Yeah, I mean, you know, I can say like I didn't always have the best Christmases growing up, not because my family didn't love me, but you know, my parents were divorced, and so it was just different. You know, like there were so I I think it's just as you become an adult is particularly is just inviting Jesus into the chaos of whatever your life is. Maybe you, you go to different parents' homes and your parents are divorced or someone's passed away. And like, it's just feels heavy and weird and different and hard and awkward. And the only thing I can say about that is like, if Jesus is living and reigning in your heart, just let him go with you in all those situations. Mm-hmm. Right. And just pray, like, Lord, be with me as I, we go to this family's house that, you know, is just, we don't really feel like going to or whatever, you know, it is. All right. Question number six. In two days, Paul George, it's going to be Christmas hmm. and we're all going to be doing our normal Christmas stuff. Give us some kind of pep talk as good evangelizers, as we're visiting with family, visiting with friends about Jesus. Give us a little missionary pep talk. Get us in the mood. To bring the good news of the gospel to other people. Okay, I would say this. Like, we talk about Jesus reigning in our heart and being on the manger, but, like, who else was in the manger scene? Mary? Hmm? Mm-hmm. Theotokos? Yep. Right? Uh, and Joseph, right? So, like, as we recreate this manger scene, like, they should be in our life. They should be in the scene of our life, right? And last week, we celebrated uh, the Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe who appeared in Mexico, Tepeyac. So she's the the queen of the Americas, right? Mm -hmm. And she's the greatest evangelist of all time, more than St. Paul, more than all the, you know, apostles combined, like boom, Mm -hmm. right? The whole country was converted after that apparition. They sent 9 million people. It's a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, have you ever converted 9 million? No. No, you haven't and will not. I've done nine, my kids. They've been baptized. So what I would say about that is like, as you're, as you're recreating the your, the major of your heart is like Mary plays a huge role in evangelizing our own heart and the life of our family and extended family, you know? So as you bring Jesus, bring the, the whole crew, man, bring the Holy family, you know, let them roll with you, man, put them in the minivan, 
and kick it off or in the 15 passenger van that you <laughs> that you have that's great advice you know so yeah. so so dedicate like you know pray the intercession of our lady over your family over christmas over the holidays over your family gatherings and and just watch her do her thing man mm -hmm. you know love it like watch her and and, and just you know buckle up man <laughs> I, I love the Christmas tunes in the background. Like, yeah, you know, you should, you should be more creative <laughs> after Christmas. I mean, you really have you this creative this. side of you that I do. You need to let like let it fly. Let it fly. Okay. Yeah. All right. You be know, careful you, what you ask for. You, you know? know, you you're in such business mode these days, running a school, and mm -hmm. you know, like I think in studio, this is where your creative genius should just mm, unfold. Challenge accepted. Yeah. <laughs> so for Christmas, I'm giving you full rain. Whoa. Yep. yep. Okay. Yeah. I'll so be your little reindeer. So next year's shows should be quite <laughs> the experience. So. <laughs> so anyway, everyone, have a have a wonderful Christmas. You know, like let Jesus reign in your heart more than anything, and um, <clears throat> just celebrate His love and His coming like never before. And just let all the other festivities and the presents and all that sort of be secondary to the reality of Christ being present in your life. Because that's what it's all about at the end of the day. So Merry Christmas from myself and Deacon Adam Conk. Merry Christmas, everyone. Thanks for being a part of the show. Share the show. And uh, super grateful for KLFT Radio um, and everyone in Acadiana for being a part of the show as well. So God bless, and we'll be back soon. Mm -hmm.